So you have to, to take, figure out what's universal from their ideas and implement. It's, a, it's an art to understand what they want as opposed to what they're specifically asking for. So you have to, to distill down what they're asking for, figure out how to actually implement that. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyan, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is David Robinson. He is the co-founder and president of Design Master Software, a company that helps electrical engineers design buildings in Revit. He has over 25 years of experience developing electrical BIM software, first in AutoCAD and now in Revit. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. So how'd you get into the, the construction industry? Yeah, so I uh, got involved here because my dad uh, started in the industry. He was an MEP engineer out in Seattle. So in the mid 90s, I was hanging around his office uh, working in AutoCAD, doing development for his company, essentially. Um, and so we kind of started doing some development for his electrical engineering. And then about 2001, we said, hey, maybe we could sell this to other people. It was a little naive, honestly, at the time, but we tried it. And so over the last 20 some years, I've been selling software first for AutoCAD and then for Revit, uh, selling and developing it for, for the electrical engineers, kind of hitting that part of the market. Yeah, interesting. What, as a, a kid, kind of gripped you into the industry to, to make you want to come in full time? So, I mean, as a kid, I wanted to write computer games, right? Because that's what I grew up playing. I was like, oh, gaming, that'd be awesome. I want to write computer games. But, you know, you, you, you get older and you realize, okay, everyone wants to write computer games. So there's not a whole lot of, it's a harder industry to break into. And so I just was hanging out with my dad and he was like, hey, I have this software I need to write. Yeah. You want to write software? We can kind of work on this together. So it was just kind of the natural output to, to, of my interest in software and then it's a it's a place where I could be productive and actually be doing business software. It's a little easier to develop and, and be uh, successful in. Yeah, interesting. Uh, did you see any kind of similarities between the, the kind of the, the video game space and construction software? I mean, you've got the, the the graphic stuff happening, but it's really not all that related. Other than underneath, it is it is software that's happening. Um, yeah. So it, it lets me scratch my knit and my the itch of just writing software, which is what I really really love to do. Uh, there you go. Nice. Well, what kind of challenges uh, do you see facing the industry right now? So the biggest challenge. So I'm coming at this from the standpoint of the electrical design engineer because that's where my background is. Mm -hmm. uh, and the biggest challenge there is that the um, electrical engineers. Uh, don't get a whole lot of attention when we're looking at BIM and things happening in the industry, that they they get just enough attention to, to kind of keep them kind of quiet, but they don't actually get their real needs met. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, I would say the reason for that is that it's a small portion of the industry. Uh, they're just not... You know, and when you think about the entire size of the construction industry the electrical design portion is a small portion of that so when you have companies like autodesk looking at doing something like revit they're not going to be thinking about the electrical engineering they're thinking about the architecture where 
where they're obviously driving the process. They're thinking about the construction, where you've got a lot of money going into the actual you know, the, the construction of the building. The electrical design is the small little portion that has very specific needs that just the big players who are driving a lot of this stuff aren't paying attention to because it, it's just not big enough for them to even be interested in. Mm-hmm. So what's a electrical engineer to do then? <laughs> so what's an electrical engineer to do then, other than to just rage at the fact that they don't have anything? Yeah. Um, what they actually do, is, the reality is that you know, an architect says, hey, we need to use something like BIM or Revit, and they roll their eyes, and they say, oh, yeah, totally can do that. And they do just enough in Revit to make an architect happy, and then they go off and do things that they've been doing for the last 20 years, 30 years in Excel spreadsheets. Uh, that's So they, they, they essentially end up with three models of their building. They've got the Revit model, but then they've got this single line diagram that they draw, which is a diagram of, of how all the panels are connected. And then they've got their calculations in Excel or some other program. And the idea of having BIM linking all of those, they're like, that'd be really cool, but there's nothing out there. So I'm going to say I'm doing BIM and I'm going to do a little 3D modeling so I can pretend to participate in the coordination uh, studies. But I'm not actually, my, my actual design work is often this other stuff that no one even knows about. <laughs> uh, so you talked a little bit about the, the kind of the history and the, the challenge of the technology aspect of it, but maybe let's flip it on its, the vantage point of looking at this. Why do you think that there's been some reluctance on the electrical engineer part to, to really kind of embrace the, the process and, and uh, develop uh, alongside of, of BIM? Uh, I think there's interest, but it's missing the pieces that are interesting to them. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, when you have BIM, a lot of people will get offended when they say this, but I'll say it anyways, that BIM <laughs> is largely 3D. Mm-hmm. That I know it's not just 3D, so there's the information portion of it as well. But when you when you are really looking at what's happening in BIM, it's the 3D stuff. And the electricals, they don't, they don't really care about that. So they like to participate, but they also don't care about 3D. So they're not really sure how to even get involved in it uh, when the, the tools that are being provided are kind of doing this 3D modeling type stuff. And they're not thinking about that at all. They don't care about, you know, their conduits are generally going to fit. They're not running their, their number 12 wires through the walls. Uh, they're thinking about voltage drop and fault calcs. And those are calculations that aren't dependent on the 3D model at all. Yeah. Who should drive technology forward? Is it the kind of the technology, the software developers that create it, you know, get the whole build it and they will come? Or is it the kind of the end user person actually doing it screaming loudly and it's the the squeaky wheel gets the grease <laughs> there's a spectrum there but <laughs> yeah there's, there's, where so do you I mean, kind of see it i mean my company what we do is we write software for electrical engineers so we're trying to fill this hole for them mm-hmm. uh so from our standpoint it's a really hard ask for like the users to develop anything there needs to be software for them so they need someone to write the software so that's kind of where we're trying to fit into the industry we take this small niche we're a small company, we can focus on it. They really need someone writing the software so that they can do all the things because they actually generally know what they want. And when mm-hmm. we show up with software that says, hey, we can have your single line and your Revit model talk to each other, like, yes, that's what I want. No one else is doing that for me. And I can't get my diamond in the most script to make that happen. So I would love someone else to come in here and do that for me. 
Mm-hmm. What kind of companies do you, you see are, are more um, kind of eager and, and, and willing to in, embrace kind of new workflows and, and really kind of get their hands dirty on the technology side and, and offer the, the feedback? Yeah, it's funny um, thinking about the, who's embracing this technology because 20, 30 years ago, all of the old engineers were hand drafting. And they didn't want anything to do with AutoCAD because that's the new technology. Okay, fast forward 30 years. Now all the old engineers are saying, I don't want to use Revit. I'm happy in AutoCAD. Uh, yeah. So you have to, it, it's, it's the same transition that happened 30 years ago to AutoCAD that has to happen to Revit. And it, it's a mix of you know, the young guys uh, who are, are willing, you know, who are, are they're younger and so they're more open to those ideas. And then the older guys who are able to see a little bit farther forward and not just be stuck in their ways. So it's a, it's a mix across all different firms, just looking for the people in the firms who are either young enough or forward thinking enough to be looking for new tools and not being stuck in, in what they've been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. Construction takes such a, a hard rap on not being, uh, willing to embrace technology and uh, not kind of open to, to change. And that, that may be true if you take a very narrow vantage point on it and you're looking at it, you know, month to month or year to year, it's slow changes. But to your point of what you just laid out there, you step back a bit and you look over the, the last 20 years, technology has come or construction has come a huge way when it comes to embracing technology. And, And there really has been, uh, a huge uh, revolution underplay, especially in the last three years since COVID hit. Uh, <laughs> that was a, a rapid acceleration in technology. So it's it's not necessarily that the the industry is resistant to embracing technology. It's it's slower and trying to get the technology to match the the need of uh, the the current state of play in the industry. Yeah, because you can want to have the technology, but you actually have to have someone develop it. So there needs to be right. some player in there actually writing software. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we have this kind of big mix of, of people uh, who who actually pushes these technologies together. So who's who's responsible for getting the, the real BIM to happen? I would say it really has to come down to the software developers are, are the ones who ultimately have to be doing it because they're the ones who are delivering the product that you can use to, to, to do BIM with. But if you don't have software underpinning it, you can't, you can't make it happen. If you don't have some way to link your voltage drop calculation, your short circuit analysis with the 3D model that you have happening, the, the engineer just, there's, that's a bridge they can't cross without the software being there. Be like, how would, how would an architect do BIM if they didn't have Revit, it's like, well, that'd be a really hard ask. Uh, and so it's a similar on, on the, uh, the engineering side. They actually, they need someone to write that software. And then the end, end users have to embrace it and use it. But as we've said, you know, generally the, the industry is moving forward. So they, they adopted CAD, the engineers adopted Excel. They're happy to use new technology. It just has to be there for them to use. Mm-hmm. How do software developers uh, like you, you know, really keep your, your thumb on the, the pulse of the industry and not only the, the current needs, but setting it up for what are going to be the needs, you know, three, five years out in the future and start developing those to, to get them into the workflow. That 
is tricky always as a software developer to make sure that you're paying attention to, to what your customers need. Mm -hmm. uh, the way we do it in our company is just a lot of interaction with our users. So we make sure that we are very close to them, that there's not a whole lot of distance between the customers and their problems and the product managers and the developers uh, so that we see what they're doing and, and we know what they're asking for and what they're looking for. And then looking forward, um, I'd like to say we, we, we necessarily know where we're going, but partly it's just we're trying to bring the electrical engineers up that looking forward is, is a little bit harder just because we need to get them to the place just to do all the things that we know we should be able to do uh, without necessarily going off on, on anything new or different. We just need to, to fill in the gaps that are obvious that are there. Hey, innovators. Do you want to help inspire the next generation of architects, engineers, and builders? Applied Software Great Tech Group does too. In fact, they have launched a scholarship contest and need your help spreading the word. If you know any students or teachers who could benefit from the contest, tell them to visit asti.com slash AEC scholarship for more information. Applied Great Tech is giving away over $1,000 to help students pursue their dreams. And we need your help to make it happen. So what are you waiting for? Let's make a difference together. Yeah, interesting. How do you kind of map it out uh, when, when you're, you're looking at the roadmap, feature roadmap? <laughs> how do you kind of see the, the end in mind and then work backwards from there and it, uh, another layer of complexity I imagine added into it is how do you kind of, if you want to, you know, your end goal is Z step Z, but they have to learn all those steps in between a to Z in, in order to actually be able to take advantage of whatever feature Z is. Uh, how do you map all that into to kind of slowly incrementally get them more comfortable with the software and, and using technology and, and building in those workflows? Yeah, that's, that is the challenge. Uh, and it's just, I mean, so our software, we have Revit software that's been uh, out for 10 years. And so it's just a very slow methodical process of essentially hitting the low hanging fruit. What are the most obvious things? Let's get that taken care of. And then just moving piece by piece, slowly going toward, like you said, that endpoint of Z, taking the, the most obvious first thing that's going to give them the most value. So we started with sizing a feeder properly. And then we moved on to doing a single line diagram. And now we're looking forward to how to get existing loads into a building. Uh, so we just have to take each piece at a time, trying to get the things that are going to be the most valuable to the most people uh, so that they can start using it. Yeah. How have you seen the, the roadmap evolution? Has it been kind of faster than what you anticipated, slower or kind of right on target? It's been on target. It, the customers always surprise me with what features are going to be the most valuable. Um, mm -hmm. We started with feeder sizing, um, but we quickly learned that what they really wanted was single line diagrams. So we started talking, that was what we, we learned. And so we said, okay, we're going to do single line diagrams. But we're going to do it in AutoCAD uh, just because we had some AutoCAD features existing for that. So we exported from Revit to AutoCAD. And what we learned is that for companies that are embracing Revit, you show up and you say AutoCAD, and that's like a dirty word to them. So they're like, okay, 
okay, we can't do that one single line in AutoCAD, we need to bring it into Revit. So you know, they've kind of just surprised us with the different ways that we need to go. So we're constantly trying to, to adapt to what uh, they're actually needing as opposed to our guesses as to what they need. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, how do you balance the line of, uh, you know, giving what the, the client needs on the, the feature side, but also seeing, you know, with that kind of big picture roadmap in mind of pushing them maybe in a, a direction that makes more sense on the, the software and technology side, but maybe they're not fully on board yet. How, how do you go and kind of push them to this new feature and new workflow So the, or the encourage them? <laughs> yeah, there's always the temptation to become like a custom dev shop, particularly when you're small, you're working with customers very closely. That's very beneficial. But then they start making very specific things like, hey, here's how our firm does this one little thing. And then you have to figure out, okay, is that actually universal? Mm. So you have to, to take figure out what's universal from their ideas and implement. It's, a, it's an art to understand what they want as opposed to what they're specifically asking for. So you have to, to distill down what they're asking for, figure out how to actually implement that in a way that is going to make them happy and other customers also happy who are using it. Uh, yeah. So it's an art. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, are, are there certain kind of key fundamental building blocks, if you will, of uh, a company structure and you know, thought process that makes this evolution and this uh, you know, embracing of, of technology easier for a company versus somebody else that, that may not have this? You have to, you have to just be open to the innovation, uh, to, to making changes to your processes. Usually companies who are using Revit that we're working with mm-hmm. have, they've already made that step. So if you're, if they're using Revit, they're kind of open to the idea that, okay, we're changing a lot of stuff because going from AutoCAD to Revit requires change. And so then they're just looking for ways to make Revit work better. Um, and you just have to make sure that you're not getting too stuck in how Revit works today and are looking for ways to improve it. And most companies using Revit, particularly on the electrical side, really are because there's so many gaps in what it does. They're, they're really looking for opportunities to improve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you see BIM really starting to make the biggest impact in the industry? For the electrical engineers, which is what I can speak to, uh, BIM starts to have an impact when you can take the, the the different models that they have out on their drafting views in their Excel spreadsheets and start bringing them together. So it's not the modeling portion because the electricals don't care about the 3D. It's that information. When that information really starts to flow between the different areas that right now are separated so that you've got this single source of truth, you make a change in one place, it updates in the other. Uh, that's where it really starts to provide value to the electrical engineers. And then you can start thinking about how to take that information from the engineering to the contracting side, where there's, again, some value because the engineer knows how big the conduits are and the contractor needs to actually lay those conduits out and start doing the prefab work. Uh, so that's where it's the information portion of BIM that really is where all the the, the value comes from. Yeah. So let's dig into that a, a bit more. Speak to the person that is kind of sitting off on the side, arms crossed saying, yeah, but we've done it this way for so long. We're good. We don't need to update. We don't need to change. Why should they take a, a closer look at this workflow? Uh, for those people, uh, I would ask them 
how much time do they spend on quality control and quality assurance between their, their models? When they make a change to a panel name, how many different places do they have to change that panel name? If they could change it once and be confident it was changed everywhere else, how would that impact their design? Would that have a benefit to them? And then also think back on their recent change orders and which ones of those were because something was different in two different places and how much money is being spent there either reworking the design or purchasing equipment that didn't end up being used because you had to do that. Yeah, makes total sense. What's a trend that, that you see starting to, to come into the industry that is probably going to have a really big impact over the, the next five years or so? A trend that I see that's going to have a big impact on the electrical side is bringing, again, all of these different pieces together uh, so that the electricals can really start participating in BIM, not just kind of being on, on the side, but actually being able to, to have a model that's useful for them, that they can also, they can do the engineering and then they can also start passing that off to the contractor. That when they can start doing those things and having this one model rather than three, four or five separate models, uh, that's going to be valuable and, and very impactful to the engineers. And they're going to start seeing a lot of, of productivity gains from that. Yeah. Uh, so one of our, our core tenets of the show is, is really centered around innovation. What does innovation mean to you? So innovation is making changes to your existing process, uh, which is just kind of a, the, the simplest definition. Uh, but what it really means to me more personally is, is a responsibility that as a software developer, the innovation doesn't happen unless I'm helping drive it for my customers. So I feel a personal responsibility for the electrical engineers to drive innovation in BIM so they can actually have that innovation available because they're busy designing buildings. They don't have time to write this software. So I need to be the one to be providing that for them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I agree with that. I, I like the the innovation as a responsibility aspect of it as well, too. I fullheartedly uh, agree with that. Uh, another part of innovation is, is really being able to learn from uh, kind of other industries and other perspectives. Are, are there, there are other industries that you look to for, you know, they're doing something really cool that maybe we can learn from and, and pull in to the industry or um, maybe they didn't do it that great. And let's learn from that mistake as well, too. Uh, in terms of delivering software, honestly, uh, one industry I do look to is uh, games. So I still play computer games. That's one of my hobbies. And so I do watch how they're uh, getting feedback from their users, how they're delivering that to, uh, to their, their, the players, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I actually gain a lot of insight from best practices and, and good and bad ways to do software development from the gaming industry. Yeah, interesting. What's, a, what's an aspect that you've learned and, and taken from them? Uh, one aspect I've taken from them is paying attention to your customers and, and listening to what they're asking for in their place, paying attention to the, the players and getting the, the features rolled out and communicated in the way that people know that the new features are out. So, because you put together a new feature and then there's a, a whole level of like, okay, we gotta make sure people know this feature exists and that they're using it and they understand 
how it's going to benefit them. It's not just writing the software, it's writing the software and then delivering it in a way that they understand and can take advantage of. Yeah. Uh, I love that of communicating in the, the way they understand. I think it's a, it's a pitfall that a, a lot of companies fall into that they, they'll communicate the, the new features in one way and they just communicate that to every single stakeholder instead of tweaking it and, and nuancing the, the features to the person that they're they're talking to because not every stakeholder cares about every single feature and <laughs> frankly they, they get bored by it and they're going to tune you out <laughs> yeah. so you got to match the the right feature to the right stakeholder with the right messaging uh, and that's when that's when the magic happens uh, well how do people find out more information and, and connect with you so my company is Design Master Software. Our website is designmaster.biz, B-I-Z, so they can look us up there. Uh, they can take a look at uh, the software we have for Revit on the electrical side. Cool. Well, final question for you. If I could give you all power and you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the industry, what would you pick to innovate? If I could do one thing for the industry, uh, I would have to do something for the electrical engineers because they're the ones near and dear to my heart. Um, and the one thing I would do is that I would make it so that Revit could handle existing loads in a building, which is you know the biggest bugaboo that they have right now. Uh, I would solve that problem because it requires kind of getting deep into the, the bowels of Revit to properly address that. Nice, that's a good one. That's a good one. David, thanks so much for taking the time and coming on the show today. You're welcome, thank you for having me. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, when someone says the line that construction struggles to embrace technology, we need to zoom out on our perspective and recognize just how much technology adoption has occurred. Is there room for more? Of course. However, the industry has come a long way. Second take, information is critical within. That should be what drives the decisions and the power behind all workflows. And final take, innovation is a responsibility that we all need to partake in. Look to other industries and perspectives to get inspired. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.